Change play fake. Bennett. Look out. Here comes a posse of ducks. And it's a touchdown. Good Lord. Everybody's like great. And leaping it is in. Up, up and away. Will Anderson doing damage. Every time you think the game's over, somebody come back for for the lead. No good, he missed it! ECU fans in disbelief. We didn't want to prove nobody wrong. We didn't prove us right, so I feel we did that tonight. This Labor Day edition of College Football Live, Sam Otto, Rod Gilmore, I'm Wendy Dix. You know what? It is always something else when something lives up to the hype. And that was certainly the case after week one. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to channel our Denny Green today. Fellas, I know you remember Coach Green. Uh, certainly it never gets old when he said they are who we thought they were. So we're going to look at some of the top teams in college football today after week one to see if perhaps they are who we thought they were. We will start with the defending champion, Sam Macho, who just beat up on Oregon 49-3. to Are the dogs who you thought they were? They are who we thought they were. They are exactly who they who we thought they were. They may even be better. 49-3 to against a top-ranked Oregon football team. We know what Georgia lost in the draft. We know what Georgia lost when we thought about it. We thought we knew what we Georgia lost defensively. But Stetson Bennett played lights out. He just picked up where he left off. Lad McConkey played great. Their defense played great. Georgia is exactly who we thought they were. In fact, they may actually be better. Sam, crown them. Crown them. <laughs> How is this Georgia team not the top-ranked team in the country? How they're not wow. number one? This team, they're the defending champs. They just took an Oregon team that's really pretty good out behind the woodshed, a defense that has two first-round picks in Noah Sewell and Christian Gonzalez and three or four other guys who are going to be drafted. They shut down an offense completely with their defense, which we knew would be good. We didn't think it would be this good. How in the world can that not be right now today the number one team in the country? I, I, I can't understand it. That was well played, Rod Gilmar. I like what you did there. Sam, uh, we have to move on, though, because we also have to talk about Ohio State. They get the win over Notre Dame, but they put up just 21 points. Now, nothing wrong with that, but we know this is an offense that, you know, some expected to score 50 points a game. Are they who you thought they were? They are. Ohio State is who we thought they were, but I think Notre Dame is better than we thought they would be. Notre Dame's defense played lights out. We saw it in the first half and really throughout the game. They forced Ohio State to play a different brand of football. You saw Mayan Williams get a lot more involved in the game. You, you saw Jackson Smith and Jigba. Obviously, he got injured in that game, but it was a defensive battle. The Ohio State defense, you saw the second half, no points allowed, 72 yards allowed. That defense is actually better than we thought they would be. And so, yes, Ohio State is who we thought they were, even though they only put up 21 points. You know, Sam, I'm not sure that they are who we thought they were, particularly on offense. I mean, 
We've all been talking offseason about how this was going to be an offense for the ages, that it was going to rival what Joe Burrows did with LSU. Not the case. I mean, Notre Dame may have come up with the blueprint for other people to follow, which is, hey, soft coverage, don't let the ball go over your head, keep it in front, don't allow the big play, and tackle. And that's what they did. Ohio State didn't have a single rush over 20 yards. They only had three passes of 20-plus yards in that game. Normally, they're looking for 8 to 10 in a ball game. So Notre Dame made it very clear. Hey, keep the ball in front, tackle well, and you won't be giving up 40, 50 points. I expect that we'll see other teams follow that, that, that method. And we'll see if this offense is really going to be as good as we thought the, they were supposed to be. We'll see. Sam, how about the Gators? Florida, a big win over Utah, an even bigger coming out party, though, for Anthony Richardson. What would you learn there? They are not who we thought they were. Florida was unranked coming into the season, and they went out and proved they beat a team that was ranked seventh overall in Utah. They proved they're better. Anthony Richardson showed that he's better, not just in passing the ball, but in running the ball. He ran for over 100 yards. We saw that pump fake, pure away, spin. I don't know what you call it, but that outstanding play. Florida proved they are better, and Billy Napier has proved that he is better than they were in years past. And so you say they are who we thought they were. This Florida yeah, Gators Sam. team is actually better. Sam, some of us thought Florida was going to be pretty good. <laughs> and Anthony Richardson, listen, he was better than advertised. We knew about the athleticism, but the decision-making and what he did on that final drive to get them the, the winning touchdown – I mean, he looked like, a, like an NFL pro, a veteran out there, the way he handled that offense. The other thing we talked about all summer, Sam, was that Utah is a slow-starting team. And as good as we think Utah is going to be, we've known that the last couple of years they have, you know, started slowly with some losses. And we weren't convinced that they would be able to just come right out of the chute in the swamp against Florida and be rolling. And we saw some of that uh, against Florida. You know what else we talked about, guys, all summer? That was the Pac-12 and perhaps where they stacked up in terms of conferences across the country. There was opportunity this weekend entering the season. The Pac-12's playoff chances weren't great to begin with, and then week one happened. Utah, as we just talked about, lost to Florida. Oregon got run over by Georgia. Still a long season ahead, Rod. But for Utah, slow starts are nothing new. Uh, is this what we thought as we entered the season? Yeah, you know, I do believe that this was the most important opening weekend the Pac-12 has had in its history. I mean, given that they struggled to get to the playoff, given all the off-the-field issues with realignment, this was a big, big weekend. And losing the Utah and Oregon games did not help the conference. But if we've learned one thing, week one does not necessarily eliminate a team like Utah which had a good close loss to Florida. They, they will round into form, but they don't have any margin for error any longer. And they still remain, I think, the Pac-12's best hope, but it's an uphill climb. Oregon, that's an awful loss to Georgia. It's a beatdown. And I just can't see the, the committee looking at that later and saying that that's one of the four best teams in the country, even if Oregon runs the table. That was such a bad loss. that They, they were just not competitive. I think, I think Utah at this point, still remains the best hope for the Pac-12, and that margin is very, very slim. Yeah, I agree with that. And even to your point, USC was the team that won, the higher-ranked Pac-12 team that won. People are saying maybe USC is going to be the hope. 
But USC has to play Utah. And so you think that a lot of people are saying, oh, USC, well, they beat Rice, right? So Utah has a great chance of avenging this loss, if you will, by going on a run and beating some ranked teams down the line. They lost two out of their first three last year. Utah did, and they went on a run and beat Oregon twice, right? And that's what, how they got to where they are now. So I think Utah is the team, but we did talk about this beforehand, saying, man, if both teams lose, what will that do for the Pac-12? And it does not look pretty. Now, and uh, Rod, you're absolutely right. Week one does not a season make, but as you mentioned, it just makes things so much more difficult when you come out and put a loss like that in the books right off the bat. Uh, the good news, at least if you're a college football fan, week one isn't over yet. We've still got a finale on this Labor Day Monday. Tonight coming up, it's Clemson uh, and Georgia Tech in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Those two teams uh, will play in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Kickoff tonight, guys, 8 o'clock Eastern. Again, number four, Clemson facing Georgia Tech. Now, all those other teams we talked about, are they who we thought they were? We don't know yet. Uh, with these two in particular, with Clemson, there's still a lot of questions. We haven't seen them in game action, and certainly questions around the quarterback. A lot of pressure on DJU to show he's that quarterback we saw two seasons ago, and not a little bit of the missteps, right? How much pressure is on the quarterback to play well tonight for the Tigers? Yeah, Wendy, with all due respect to Georgia Tech, now I can say whatever I want, uh, this game is all about Clemson. There is no question. This is about Clemson, and it is about DJ Uyangalile and how he performs. No quarterback is under more pressure than he is. I mean, last season, he threw more picks than touchdowns. He had nine touchdown passes and ten picks. And he's been cited as the guy, the reason why Clemson couldn't get it done last year. Look, and it's more complicated than that. But he's carrying the weight of that burden. So he needs to play well tonight. And he's going to get some help from a defense. The other thing I want to see is I want to see if that defensive line for Clemson is as great as we expect it to be. It should be. But those are the two things I'm looking for. I'm see, looking forward to see how DJ Uyangalile plays tonight and how that defensive line for Clemson performs. No, I'm with that, Rod. Even to the point of the defense, like there's a new offensive coordinator in Clemson, but there's also a new defensive coordinator at Clemson. We know how great Brent Venables has been for the last several years at Clemson. He's, they've been top 10, top five defenses, even last year, top five defense. Well, he is no longer there, and I get it. There are some playmakers on that defensive line. I think it's led by Ryan Brzee, but I want to see y'all play with the new DC. I want to see what you all do against Georgia Tech and moving forward, even offensively as well. There's new two coordinators in in town we cannot take that lightly you know guys we talk about it being a year for Clemson to bounce back and then you look back and you think you know what that's a team that won 10 games but uh, they set the bar so high in Death Valley there over the last seven or eight seasons that uh, that's just what we've come to expect again that eight o'clock kickoff tonight coming to you from Atlanta we've got plenty more coming to you ahead here on College Football Live the Seminoles meanwhile hold off LSU's Late surge to land at 2-0. Head coach Mike Norvell joins us to talk about Florida State's strong start. And college football insider Pete Thamel checks in. He'll talk about why Ohio State head coach Ryan Day is okay with his team's performance against Notre Dame, plus the perils of playing quarterback at Texas.
Game Day coming to you from Austin this week, 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And you know what? Who else will be in Austin? Senior college football writer Pete Thamel. But before he heads to the Lone Star State, he's checking in with us. Been in Columbus over the weekend. And Pete, let's start right there. Obviously, Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Not perfect. You could even argue it wasn't pretty. But I know you talked with Coach Day after that game. What was his take on the week one win? One day when I uh, grabbed Ryan Day after after the game, after his press conference, uh, I kind of joked with him that we weren't used to him punting in a couple of situations we saw. The Buckeyes had fourth and short near midfield twice, and they punted both times. Now, I'm not going to predict Ryan Day is going to turn into Kirk Ferentz, Wendy, but it was something that the Buckeyes punted to win. And in past years, because they didn't have confidence in their defense, it led Ryan Day to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more of a gunslinger. And he said, look, if we want to win the types of games we want to win here, we have to be smarter about field position. We have to punt in those situations. And they did that, and it helped them. And they ended up grinding out a win at the end of the game, and they won in a way that they really hadn't during Day's tenure at Ohio State. Well, look, it's a season of attrition. We know that. And sometimes you have to win those grinded-out wins, especially, actually, as you get later into the season – As we look ahead to week two, Pete, certainly the game of the week will be Texas and Alabama. Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns facing an uphill battle, but, you know, anything's possible. Obviously, what needs to happen for Texas to be successful against Nick Saban's squad? I I think the most important aspect of this game, Wendy, is that Texas's glaring weakness goes up against Alabama's defining strength. Texas's offensive line has really struggled for a decade. And in comes Will Anderson, who was the best player in the entire country last year, and maybe a generational defensive prospect. So the Texas line needs to protect Quinn Ewers. I will say this, if Texas is going to have a chance on Saturday, Wendy, they're going to need the QB run game to mitigate some of the talent gap. Quinn Ewers is a better athlete than people know, and he'll have to have a little scoot in his step, some to avoid the rush and some to gain yards and pick up first downs if the Longhorns want to hang with the Tide. Well, I would also say this, Pete. I don't think it could hurt if you let the quarterback, you know, keep his car and and don't tow the kid's car. (laughs) What on earth happened? And they got that parking pass uh, sorted out for next weekend? Well, Wendy, I did some deep investigative reporting today, uh, channeled my inner Paula Levine. Uh, I found out there was a parking pass mix-up between Quinn and his family, and he, he put the wrong pass on his Porsche. So the Ewers family took a little family trip to the tow lot, which is at the Texas softball field. 200 beans later, the Ewers got their Porsche back, and Quinn went on with his Saturday night. All right, fair enough. All's well that ends well, I guess, but do not tow that kid's car again. You need him against Alabama. Pete, we look forward to He's seeing got- you from Austin. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. Rambling the hole to send it to. Free football. Snap. Spot. Blocked! Yeah! It's no good! Yeah! It's blocked! Shaheen Brown got his men on it. Fire up the war chant and plant the spear. Knowles win! Knowles win! Mike Norvell. Listen, I said week one was not a disappointment. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Joining us now, head coach Mike Nuravel. His team now off to a 2-0 start. Coach, first of all, congratulations. But that would take a few years off your life last night. Have you recovered from that wild win? Uh, it definitely was a wild one, um, you know, but just really proud of our guys. You know, as you go into a game like that, 
Um, you know, we talked all week about it being a 60-minute matchup, and it could come down to one play. And uh, you know, through all the emotions, the ups and downs, uh, to be able to finish like that was, was special for our guys. And uh, you know, just really proud of our team. Coach, it looked like you were trying to find someone to celebrate with. I'd be jumping up and down, too, after a win like that. Coach, what does that win mean for your program? Uh, I mean, it's big. I mean, to be able to be on that stage, to have a, uh, to have a uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to really put on display the heart and the character of the guys that we get to coach, uh, you know, the continued steps and growth within the program is something that, uh, you know, it, it's been it's been a process. And that was a just a, a wonderful opportunity for our guys. And uh, I thought they took full advantage of it. Uh, there's still a lot of things we got to clean up. We have to go out there and we got to continue to improve daily. But uh, to have that moment and to be able to show up and, and make the plays necessary was, was obviously big. Hey, Mike, uh, congratulations on the win. Fantastic uh, for Florida State hanging in there like that. This is why we love, love college football. It's so wild and crazy and unpredictable. But listen, I, I know you've probably been asked about this, you know, uh, the play selection on the goal line. Uh, I, I want you to give us a chance to understand the thought process for pitching the ball down there in that situation and also whether it stays in the playbook going forward on the goal line. Well, you know, that's something that uh, you, in, in retrospect, you look at the risk reward, you know, I, I've got to be better in that situation. And, um, you know, it's a play that earlier in the game, um, you know, worked really well for us, you know, but, you know, in, in that moment, uh, you know, we, we were working to score, um, but, you know, ultimately you know, can't turn the ball over down there. And so, you know, just like uh, with with each player and, and every every uh, your play is, as you go back and look back, uh, you got to take ownership for it. And, you know, I, I got to be better in that situation. Uh, you know, I, I do feel that that's, uh, you know, that's a play that has been successful and will continue to be successful for it. But the timing of it you know, probably wasn't the best uh, best decision in that moment. But, uh, you know, really, really proud that our guys had uh, had our back on that, too. Uh, you know, being able to come out with still yeah. a, a victory there at the end. Uh, Coach, was there something that you saw? There were this the, the field goal block by verse and the extra point that was blocked. Was there something that y'all watched on film that you knew you could exploit that field goal protection unit? Well, you know, I thought Coach uh, John Papuch just did a, a wonderful job in, in being able to scheme up, uh, you know, a couple of different blocks. And they, each week we take it, we take in, uh, you know, a plan that we want to try to execute. And, you know, Jared did a great job earlier in the game. And, and then, you know, you see the result of that uh, you know, on the on the extra point. You know, they really had a great focus on on Jared, which opened up an opportunity for Shaim to get in there and block the extra point. So, uh, you know, I tell our players, you never know when effort's going to get a chance to show up and be the difference. And it, it definitely showed up for us last night. And I thought those guys uh, did a remarkable job in our in our uh, field goal block unit. Coach, we appreciate you taking time out. And, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I bet it's a lot easier to look back when it uh, still comes away with the win. So, again, 2-0 start. We look forward to talking with you as the season moves on. I appreciate you guys having me on and go Knowles. Still ahead on College Football Live, it is certainly the game of the week. Week two, get ready for Alabama-Texas in what could be a season-defining game for both of these teams. Our first early look at the week ahead. Anytime you win, it always feels pretty good. But then we give them a dose of reality on Monday morning of the things that we need to improve upon. Um, you know, I, there's, I don't doubt our players want to play well on Saturday. Um, it's them understanding that to play well on Saturday, you need to 
have a really good Monday, then a really good Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so on and so forth. Well, you know, we've seen to play several teams now that kind of know us, but you act like we don't know them. Vintage Nick Saban, Rod. Uh, obviously, a lot at stake for these two teams, sort of setting a tone, if you will, for the season. What are you specifically watching for? Not a whole lot. I mean, Alabama shows up for games like this. I, I can't remember a time in one of these marquee preseason games or non-conference games that they didn't show up. I mean, I expect they will be there. To me, the one thing that I think is a major problem for Texas is Will Anderson. I just don't know how they're going to block him. they got to find him, first of all. And Alabama does such a great job of moving him around from the edge to inside to off the line of scrimmage that it's going to be tough for Texas to set their blocking to handle him. So I expect, you know, sort of a Heisman Trophy kind of performance from Anderson so that he gets his name uh, out there as it should have been a lot more last season, Sam. Yeah, and I agree with that. And Will Anderson may not have to move around as much. There's two freshman offensive linemen starting for Texas. Left tackle Kelvin Banks is starting and right guard Cole Hudson. And so Will Anderson going against anybody is tough. Will Anderson going against a freshman is even more tough. So I'm (laughs) guessing, thinking that Texas is going to have to have some help, not only on the left side, but also on the right side to block this dominant defender. Well, in case you haven't heard, guys, and I know you did because we talked about it with Pete Thamel, the quarterback was towed over the weekend. (laughs) It happens. Quinn Ewers, how'd I get towed during the game? I love this from Pat Forty. UT players versus UT parking, the hottest hottest rivalry of 2022. (laughs) Sark was asked about Quinn's car today. Uh, Here's what he said. He's got to park where he's supposed to park. That wasn't where he was supposed to be parking on game day. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, Am I right, man. Sam? Parking's been park. an, yeah, parking's been an issue for players for decades, fellows. Sam. You know it. <laughs> See you tomorrow.